The greatest mistake a man can ever make is to be afraid of making one. Albert Hubbard. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and as far as I know, this is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Uh, We are here with a very special episode this week. That is right. It is our 100th episode. That's right. That's right. I said it a couple times. This is episode 100, excuse me, of the Silver Linings Playcast, which has been going on for for over uh, two years now. I do need to clarify that this is actually part 17 of our special 100-parter series. Now, if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, number 18 was last week, and number 16 was before that. So, if you're doing the count, this is actually part 18 of our special 18-parter, but it is titled part 17, because it is the 17th uh, part uh, according to title-wise. I just wanted to clarify that. It doesn't really matter, because... All those names and, and such like that are really just guides so you can find the information chronologically. But if anybody was having to look up any of those things for any reason anyway, uh, because they would be so next to each other one way or the other, you you probably, um, you know, it's fine. Because nobody really needs to look up the old episodes of the Silver Linings Playcast. Like, if, if you're listening to an episode... Um, I don't, like, actually, I'm not sure why anybody would listen to episodes of this podcast. If you've ever listened to an episode to, of this podcast, I mean, and here's, so here's the weird thing. All right, I'm not trying to be funny right now. I'm, I'm just trying to, uh, like, this is one of those actual things that we're realizing uh, makes sense in the moment to the moment if you think about it, right? So if you've ever, if you were listening to this now, then you are part of that group of people who have ever listened to this podcast at one point or another, right? Just thinking about that. Uh, So write in and let us know why you would listen to a podcast like this, because I don't even listen to a podcast like this. I listen, well, I listen to podcasts similar to this, but I have the world's worst podcast. I don't have the world's worst podcast. I actually, uh, um, there are so many that there's plenty of room to be in the level of terrible podcasts and in, in like the hurting and painfully bad podcasts without even having the, the title of being the worst podcast. <laughs> so I guess that's a little disappointing to start off. Um, so last week was a little bit of a, a disappointment as far as podcasts going because I, I wanted to do a full uh, podcast and we got ambitious. You know the story. It actually it makes just a lot of sense why the last two episodes are titled, numbered, and, and the lengths that they are. This week uh, is 
is a big week. Um, still super busy, still a lot of things going, but you know, uh, there's, um, I even have, I have therapy later today. I usually have it in the mornings, uh, early mornings, and I usually have it earlier in the week. This is going to be the latest, latest in the day and latest in the week that I've ever had it because I usually don't like to drive in from out of, uh, out of the city to go do my therapy, but that's okay. That's totally okay. Uh, it is going to be interesting. Um, I set out on a little journey months ago to find some stuff out about myself, and some of those questions have been answered. I went to a lot of testing. You don't, you don't, nobody tunes in to hear about my medical testing and stuff, but I think it's, it's a little bit important and relevant because um, I, want, I want this to not sound as silly as it's probably going to sound, but my love of Silver Linings Playbook has actually probably inspired me to help do a little bit of good for myself, because, and this is why um, representation and betrayal of things is important. I feel very, um, a little braver to go get some of my psychological testing done that I need to, because my favorite book slash movie is all about a guy who uh, goes to therapy, right? And I literally think about sometimes what does the, you know, the hero of my story, um, the protagonist of my story uh, do that has in common with, with the hero, with the protagonist of stories I like from other people. And Matthew Quick wrote a wonderful book about somebody who is ultimately trying to better their lives even though they don't feel like they need it in the moment. I have a good buddy who is, I'm going to say, reading the book right now. Um, he's listening to an audio book version of it. And it's funny because he's actually he's listening to a uh, narrator on YouTube who is a voice actress who just decided to start reading Silver Linings Playbook, which is funny because when we were having a conversation about it, I got all excited because I knew. I was like, oh, man, uh, you're listening to the audio book. And that's, um, that's really cool. That is like, uh, you know, what, what I am, the way I listened to it first. But then there were some differences because he was talking about how the woman who was narrating it uh, was, was not perfect at it, was good, but took some liberties in some of the overacting or something. And it was like, I listened to a man narrate it. And I looked it up and it was apparently just some person who is just reading it. Um, I think they're a voice actress who put it up sort of like a, a demo a little bit uh, just to sort of showcase their talent and hopefully get work or market themselves as a, um, I don't know, maybe they're, they're doing that that way. There's a lot of reasons why somebody uh, could put videos up on the internet, like a lot of reasons for somebody to, to make a podcast. Right? Mine is not so much for to be heard by others. Mine is more uh, to represent something to myself. And is that true or crazy? I don't know. I think we had uh, talked about um, the movie Cube like two episodes ago. I don't remember if I said all the facts. I had made this whole list, so I want to go over that really quick. Um, that, that all the characters are named after major prisons. Did we do this? I don't remember doing this because I don't remember saying these things out loud. Yeah. So let's just go back over it really quick because 
I, um, you know, I hate to do research that goes wasted. Uh, really quick, character uh, Levin was named after Leavenworth Holloway, um, Her Majesty's Prison Holloway uh, Worth, Leavenworth, Kazan, Kazan was a Russian prison, Alderson, Federal Prison Camp, Alderson, uh, Rennes, uh, Centre, uh, no, it's a French word, Centre, uh, Centre, Penitentiaria de Rennes, uh, and Quentin San Quentin State Prison. I don't remember what the, <coughs> excuse me, purpose of all of that was. I'm sure there was some amazing tie-in that we were talking about back that week. But uh, the ship has sailed on all of that. Um, talking about having sort of a, a crazy week. Um, we definitely have, uh, so... Oh man, this has been an exciting week because I've been watching Better Call Saul. We're we're almost through. We have seven more episodes, and it is an amazing, amazing TV show. Did I talk about going to uh, get get alpha stim um, therapy earlier this week too? I guess it's it's a physical thing anyway. It was kind of scary. It's for anxiety, depression. Uh, it's had a, uh, people, people with PTSD have had a really good success rate, I guess, getting helped by that. Anyway, I, I did, um, go to, uh, see the physical therapist last week who, um, what they do is they hook up two little electrodes to your ear and ears, and then they zap little waves of electricity through your head. So either I will be doing better in the future or I will be doing crazier in the future or I will be doing the same if it might be just sort of like a placebo effect and have no bearing one way or the other. Um, but anyway, better call. I, I, so here, here's the thing. I would actually love to know. Uh, I, I can't, I don't like weighing in completely on things until they're completely done. So considering that I've seen uh, five and a half seasons of Better Call Saul, I can't give my official, official weigh in. And, and don't worry, there will be no spoilers on this if, if you haven't. I know, I know I actually have to spec spoiler alerts now because this is current stuff. A lot of times I am talking about uh, TV shows or movies that have been out for decades Sort of like Silver Linings Playbook, uh, a 2011-2012 Academy Awards uh, season film, right? So even if I joke about making spoiler alerts during talking about Silver Linings Playbook, one, if you've listened this far into a podcast, this many years, you probably have had stuff spoiled by it. But also, like, is there really, is it possible to spoil things in a movie? like that, um, that, but, but, you know, I know Better Call Saul just wrapped up a couple weeks ago with the series finale, and I've heard people are being happy about it, so I'm saying I can't get my full way in because I don't know how it concludes, but, uh, having taken most of the ride, I can say that it's worth it so far. That's the thing I can, you can, I think I can say safely about a thing, um, when it's well over halfway, when it's almost complete, is that I've enjoyed my time spent with it up until now, which has been most of the time that it exists. And it is absolutely 
amazing. Did I talk about going and joining an improv group the last couple of weeks? I, it's weird. I've been in an improv troupe now for, for several weeks, maybe a week, maybe two weeks so far. And um, we, haven't, we haven't done any rehearsals or anything. All I did is just I went and basically signed up and they let me in. Um, they let about half of the people in from the auditions, so I don't know how, um, picky they were, but I'm very happy because I, I really like the people that I met, uh, that were a part of the group, and I'm excited to be a part of that community and try out to see, um, if anybody wants to collaborate on creative projects or not, um, but I definitely, uh, wait, why did I, why did I say that? Okay, so it's weird being part of it in improv. I'm sorry, I'm feeling really weird today. I feel lightheaded, but in like a different way. And it can't be related to any of the things I talked about because I haven't done anything today, but I have another appointment uh, to go get zapped on Monday. Um, so what we were talking about, oh, the original uh, quote where I was talking about making a mistake, that was a reference to, never mind. We're, so I'm almost done with Better Call Saul. And I think it's so worth it because, like I said, the time spent watching it up until now has been worth it. And that means a lot. Um, because why do we watch TV shows? Uh, we, we want a certain level of escapism from, re from reality, right? And so it's definitely a thing where, um, you know, we, uh, we want to escape from reality, and if, if this much time has been spent escaped from reality, then I think that is definitely means it's worth it. Because it did what it was, what was asked of it. And I definitely think that it is worth the time invested, even if it's terrible. And this is a, a thing that I sort of agreed with, no, disagreed with a lot of people on Game of Thrones that a terrible ending invalidated my gratitude for how good, how much fun was spent on the rest. Oh, also there's a new Game of Thrones series out, House of the Dragon, I guess, and I haven't watched that yet, but I'm excited too because I enjoy, um, enjoy Game of Thronesy stuff. Uh, I guess I am kind of like a fantasy genre person. I never thought I was, um, but I think I was just watching the wrong things, right? Uh, very excited. I haven't even watched the new Top Gun movie, which I'm disappointed because that looked fun, and I love the old Top Gun movie. Anyway, that's kind of weird. But um, the Better Call Saul, I want to know whether you think it is better than Breaking Bad or not, because I love Breaking Bad, but I want to I wanna go out on a limb. Breaking Bad is considered one of the best TV shows there was, at least in modern day, I think it's The Sopranos and Breaking Bad are definitely two held up as some of the greatest achievements in, in TV writing since TV really became an art. 
uh, the Soprano is really stepping up and starting the whole. I mean, I think I I, I think that the Sopranos is almost single-handedly responsible for people rethinking what television can be as opposed to film. Um, and I'm not saying this uh, because it's my personal opinion. I, I, this is an opinion uh, that is held by some TV scholars, but it's really held that way because I think it made people respect the serialized weekly TV drama. Uh, HBO had come out with a series of, with a bunch of just really popular and extremely good uh, television shows right around the same time. Six Feet Under, Oz, um, The Sopranos. I believe, I believe all three of those were on around the same time. Um, but they did, they really made TV respected in a way that it hadn't been before. And by I mean it hadn't been before. Um, people used to think of it as a lesser medium to movies. What does that mean? Does that mean there may be a Silver Linings Playbook uh, TV show in the future? Uh, probably not, because I can't imagine the people having rights to it um, wanting that. But I would, I would watch it. However, uh, you know, a TV viewership of one is probably not enough to get people to watch that sort of thing. Anyway... Am I just rambling about stuff? I'm sorry, it's so hard to concentrate. I don't know what is going on. It's so weird. Um, I, just, I probably need to drink a lot of water. Uh, I fell asleep watching uh, Not Breaking Bad. Um, did anybody else watch Better Call Saul and have this uh, experience too? Um, if you're watching Better Call Saul, uh, there's a character, uh, Ignacio. Um, it, uh, he goes by Nacho. I could have sworn he was in Breaking Bad, and apparently he is not. He is not. Uh, the guy that works for him, um, Ocho Loco, is in Breaking Bad, and I like I remember him, but uh, I could have sworn that that Nacho, uh, who was Tuco's associate in in Breaking Bad, and I'm sorry, this is probably, um, but he's not. He's not, he's not. Um, so this is like an example of the uh, Mandolo effect, maybe. that I, It's not, I guess, because if you just remember, misremember something on your own, then that is just being forgetful. But if, if uh, you, I, I guess you have to misremember something with a large percentage of the rest of the population if it is going to be a part of that effect, right? Um, so... There's definitely elements where I don't remember it correctly uh, right along with a bunch of other people, but I haven't confirmed that nobody else has that same misremembrance that I do. I'm very excited about the last seven episodes. I'm not remembering if uh, the, the pandemic affected the production schedule of the show. I feel like there might be because I feel like a lot of people either gained or lost weight or just they look the most different in season six than they do from any of the other seasons, but I don't want to look anything up about it until we're all done, uh, because even though I'm not usually a big person that, that's worried about spoiler alerts, I am trying to have fun and sort of enjoy this for what it is um, right now, 
Uh, and so far, I've gotten almost this, this all the way through. I do want to complain about one thing, though, uh, spoiler alerty, and that is I think streaming services really need to make adjustments to the thumbnails that they have for multiple episodes because I did get one, spoiler alert, simply because I was looking for the sixth season of, of uh, Better Call Saul. And it's difficult to find because it's not streaming immediately on Netflix where I'm watching, where we watched the first five seasons. Part of that is because uh, AMC, I guess, has the rights to it after its initial being, being that it's a live TV show, um, as opposed to uh, it being, um, you know, a show that uh, was made for streaming or something. I'm really curious about whether, so the streaming wars has been, been going into a new phase of, of itself lately. Uh, recently, and you can listen to a lot of other podcasts, so I'm not going to go into all the information that has already been put out there a million different times. Everybody's making the same sort of, uh, um, what, oh, what's the phrase? I'm blanking out on the phrase. Not uh, apocalyptic, not naysayer, doomsday-ish, um, but p people are talking about the state of some of the streaming services, uh, mostly concerning HBO Max. Uh, a lot of people are worried about HBO Max because it was pulling a lot of content from their streaming service, which confused a lot of people. And they're starting to say, oh man, and, and I think the reason it's scary is because they had one of the best streaming services of all the streaming services, right? Um, they had quality, their original programming was amazing. They had the uh, back catalog of, of Warner Brothers content, which included uh, Cartoon Network, um, which included uh, Turner Classic Movies, a bunch of stuff like that, right? And so when people noticed that a whole bunch of stuff was, was disappearing from it, um, and then also, namely, uh, there was a Batwoman movie that, that they had already made and then Warner Brothers canceled it, which was a pretty, um, what's it called? Uh... It's a pretty once-in-a-lifetime event for a film company to get that far along in making a movie. What it was done, right? It, it was, it was finished, and then they were just like, "We're not going to release it," which concerned a lot of people because this all came at the same time that there was announcements made about um, this that uh, Warner, that HBO Max was merging with the Discovery Plus streaming service. So there was a lot of frustration with people that sort of saw streaming as an opportunity to break away from cable and be a different thing, but now it looks like we're, you know, we're going into the same um, era where now the, the streaming services are being bundled together and maybe you have to pay for stuff that you don't want, right? Okay, all this stuff has been talked about by other people, so I'm not concerned about that. The, this uh, same stuff, I'm still getting information from the trades, but I'm not seeing this information put out as much by people because they're not reading them. They're just uh, complaining about the things that are going on, right? But uh, the, the president of um, Warner, uh, the CEO, has said that it's not as bad as everybody thinks because the thing that's going on is basically they're 
the streaming wars is at a new phase of its existence. Um, the, uh, people, and, and this makes sense, okay, think about this. What, what they were saying was the, the streaming wars as they started, and, and, and when I talk about that, is basically the proliferation of streaming services being the way that people are consuming a majority of their media, at least young people. Um, and, and that is because uh, people, we know about um, the streaming services, right? Like, we know what they all are. So there is really no need for people to be like, what is Netflix? You either know what it is, or you don't. When all this stuff first started, uh, people were subscribing to the streaming services, trying to find out what kind of content was even on these things. They were not familiar with what was on these things. Um, people basically went out and they subscribed to everything, and then they had to figure that kind of thing out. Um, and they really did. Uh, and, and then they started unsubscribing to these things too, because they're like, yeah, we, we kind of know what, uh, what we want and we can't afford the streaming services that don't have the kind of content that we want to watch as regularly or spend as much time watching. That's all fair. So now you also have this concept, um, it's called, uh, streaming nomads, which is people that, uh, subscribe to either one or multiple ones, but not all of the ones on basically a monthly basis. And with each psych billing cycle, might either cancel and then go back to a different streaming service. And part of this is because, honestly, how much content are you really going to watch anyway over the course of one billing cycle? But also um, because each service, you know, doesn't make an endless amount of of content. So you still have to let them re-robust up their catalog, if that's how you say it. I don't know exactly how to properly say it, but, like, you know, um, you have to let them make new stuff. Uh, And so that's really what these streaming nomads do, is they go month to month to see the latest. And I think it's actually a really smart way to go about this. So what the CEO of Warner Brothers was saying was he's like, everybody knows the, the streaming services exist. I think the, the um, latest big player to come to the stage was, was Disney+. Plus. I mean, certainly there, uh, there's ones that sort of became popular after that. Um, but Disney was sort of the one that closed off the streaming wars. And so there's an interesting thing, too, about most of the streaming services. It's sort of sad because Netflix was, in fact, the sort of the originator of streaming services and the idea, which also, by the way, is 25 years old. Uh, If you listen to the Script Notes podcast, they have a pretty interesting look back at what it means that the last 25 years of um, Netflix existed. But anyway, you have... uh, you have Netflix, which was really groundbreaking and sort of created what the streaming landscape is today. And you have these other ones come along. The difference is that Netflix started off just being a rental service. Now, if you listen to the, the 
retrospective on, on script notes about Netflix, you find out that they, they, the company actually didn't even start as a rental service, that they, they were originally a uh, DVD uh, resale buyer and stuff. But um, So you have them, but they, they didn't start off creating original content. They originally started just curating content before everybody else got into the streaming game and a lot of the different studios wanted their content licenses back. Now here's where the streaming wars get interesting. You have um, Apple TV, you have Amazon, and you have Disney, all three, which very interestingly enough, uh, they make their money, um, they have different ways to make money. One, Amazon doesn't even need a streaming service. Like their their business was a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar business, I believe. Um that could be a wildly overestimate, but uh, but but you know Amazon from originally being a book seller, I guess they were the Netflix of books or whatever. Is that right? I don't remember. Um but you know, they're a a buy everything online, a universal online shopping center. So they have more wiggle room to survive without having to have a profitable streaming service. Same with Apple, because their product is far bigger than just the streaming, but they also have a quality streaming service too as well as, as Disney. So now you have these three players that I also, um, it's so interesting because originally I feel like they all entered as uh, second tier streaming services. When I'm, I'm going to give you how the, the history of streaming according to how I've experienced it as just a layperson not in the industry, right? So Netflix comes along, they have their DVD, rental service and then all of a sudden they create the streaming market which is amazing and I, one of the funny things I remember too when Netflix first started streaming I would get upset whenever they'd make original stuff because I'd be like I don't want I, you know I'm not subscribing to Netflix to watch uh, things that you make I subscribe to Netflix to watch stuff that I would have rented right and then they start making some original programming and it's all amazing that you sort of have the second wave of the television renaissance when you have the streaming renaissance. Basically, the original streaming programs on Netflix were very much the same way that that, that uh, Sopranos era of HBO was the, the cable TV renaissance, right? Um, so that, that happens, and then you have these other services enter the market. The first competitor that I experienced that really gave Netflix a run for its money was Hulu. And Hulu was interesting because it was sort of, it offered a lot of free content up at the beginning. It was like, you know, episodes of TV shows. It was like, it, was, it wasn't as good with the movies, but it had some TV shows that were consolidated. And it would give you some free or it would give you some with commercials. But we're like, this is kind of amazing and there's a lot of content that's not available on Netflix that is available on Hulu. And then Hulu and Netflix really got into a horse race where um, when Hulu got enough content that they were able to give Netflix a run for their money, 
You're like, oh, okay, so basically Netflix is the for the movies and Hulu is for the TV. Uh, all the while, okay, so now this, this should be brought up too because it's never brought up in conversation, but it really is the ultimate variable in, in all of this. It really could be the, the spoiler to everybody else's plan, but uh, YouTube is quietly becoming the most watched website um, for videos while it is putting out uh, streaming, you know, just basically what feels like an unlimited um, amount of videos. Now, these are all personal videos that people are uploading, but we'll sort of get to the relevance of that in a little bit, right? So you have Netflix and Hulu are battling out for relevance. Um, Hulu felt like it wasn't as good as Netflix to me when it first came out, and then all of a sudden they started having some of their hits, and that's when I started to take notice. I believe some of the FX stuff uh, went there, and that's when I was like, man, Hulu is worth a subscription. So I signed up for a Hulu subscription. I was like, I really enjoy this. Amazon Prime, meanwhile, uh, already had a membership to Prime for just the delivery service. And they start saying, hey, we're going to have a streaming service. Amazon Prime was not the, the first place that I would go. But because I already paid for the Amazon Prime membership, um, would occasionally look around at some of their content. And they had the least amount of content at the time. But every now and then they'd have something that the other two services didn't have. And they had this advantage business-wise of, like I was mentioning, this is because they don't have to make money, they don't have to have a profitable streaming service. That, that was just an added benefit of, of being a member of Amazon, right? So now they have bundled these two services together where, where it ultimately justifies this membership because this membership to... Amazon that was a little too expensive for me, feeling like, oh man, I'm not really sure I want to be an Amazon Prime member for the, the shipping and the rights to all of that stuff. However, like their streaming service, like that's not great enough to justify either. But when combined, those two things, it was no brainer, like throw that on to things that a person subscribes to, right? Now, uh, flash forward to 2022, and it is a pretty amazing streaming platform. They have some originals that uh, are definitely go toe-to-toe with the streaming originals from the other, other services. Um, they have content that is not available on the others because they have a lot of more international stuff. They have some smaller stuff. There is, is some movies that I have seen thanks to being available on Amazon Prime that I would never have watched, and they're really good. Uh, I, think, I think Coherence is one of the films that, um, that might have made some of the lists. Anyway, uh, if you like time travel movies, if you like sort of psychological thrillers, Coherence is one that I cannot recommend highly enough. And, and part of the reason that I like it is it, it is a small budget, really has an indie film feel 
but the storytelling is so good and is done well enough to enjoy for what it is. Right? I mean, it feels like a bunch of actor... And, and they're professional. They're just, I, I don't have anything to take away from it. It is so solid. I think... Um, I don't know if it was released theatrically or it was made as a movie. All, all I know is that I happened across it on Amazon Prime and it goes toe-to-toe with any of the big time travel, psychological thriller sort of... Uh, there's the whole genre we talked about uh, two weeks ago, in fact, about um, sort of like people mysteriously waking up strangers in in the same place and having to figure out what their relevance to one another is. It's not exactly that. It's sort of a totally different concept, um, but the movie has that kind of feel. And so I would definitely say that... Um, that is sort of the relevance that you find from something like that. But finding little gems, and that's not the only one. I wish I could remember. I should, uh, I should look up all the different movies that I have found and watched on Amazon. Because there's, there's definitely a situation where I've seen different films on there that I wasn't aware of, and I don't remember what they're called. But they were really good. They were solid entries. And I think that's that's one of um, the strengths that Amazon Prime had come out. So these three are existing together, and then Disney Plus comes along. And Disney Plus got everybody excited because uh, a lot of the Disney movies had been on the other streaming services, and I think at first I was a little skeptical about is it worth having a streaming service only just for the Disney movies, but, but Disney came... With several things. Um, all the Marvel movies were going to be on Disney Plus, and all the Star Wars movies were going to be on Disney Plus. And that was a huge, huge thing. Uh, for other people, there was some other important stuff because I think, like, the National Geographic or, or something. Um, and now it's become a whole different streaming service than when it, when it originally started. Enter HBO Max. Now, originally, HBO, when streaming and the app service uh, started, HBO had a separate and different app first for watching stuff, streaming service, uh, and that was called HBO Go. Uh, HBO Go was not so much uh, an independent service, but it was more an app in which people that subscribed to HBO as a channel... um, in their cable package, or were able to watch the streaming content from what they had. Uh, again, all of this stuff just sort of coming from my memory and experience. This is not like a researched history of streaming. Um, but HBO Go uh, existed so that people could watch stuff that they could already watch on TV just on the go, right? <clears throat> then it becomes announced that they're creating an actual app. Um, streaming service HBO Max. Both of these services existed for a little while at the same time, but HBO Max being just exactly what like the Disney streaming service was for Disney. Plus, it was going to have the back catalog of 
a lot of the uh, Warner stuff and make original content that was for the streaming service, not even necessarily stuff that I, I believe. I don't, I don't know this for a fact because I haven't had the cable channel HBO, but I believe some of their stuff was created for Max, not even like with the intent to necessarily be on uh, the cable channel HBO. When they hit the market, um, they are so good. Instantly, I remember having conversations with my buddy Nick, who has been multiple guests on here, uh, writer with me, one of my best friends. Um, but just uh, we we talked about the quality of HBO Max as a streaming service is hits the ground and you're like, you got all this stuff. Um, but it's good. I felt like that the percentage of stuff that I would actually want to watch, uh, content that I think was worthwhile and worth rental money is from on max was way higher than any of the other streaming services. Why? Partially because uh, it had been carefully curated to include stuff that seemed similar and relevant. Um, also because their dedication to making uh, TV, well, not the dedication, okay, here's part of the reason. They are experienced in making original TV. They were at the forefront of the, the TV cable renaissance. You're talking about the same studio that was responsible for, again, we're going to bring it up, The Sopranos, which was basically the tide-turning television program, right? So when HBO Max, um, maybe, maybe just HBO, the company, Warner, when they start making original programming, they already have decades of experience making quality TV over all of these other streaming services. Um, you know, Amazon, uh, Netflix lucked out, I think, not lucked out, but like they, um, it took them a, a few tries. No, it didn't. It didn't. Because uh, I remember, I think Orange is the New Black is one of their first, uh, one of the original-ish, original content shows that they had on there and that started winning uh emmy nominations and, and golden globes i believe and and they had a couple hits too um i don't believe they've ever had a hit in the way that they've wanted they've had a couple series uh i, I tell you what they should though um for the sandman saga which they just released and is one of the most amazing things i have ever seen right um but, uh, so, <clears throat> but Max comes out, and they're just making solid hit after hit. Uh, now, they've been out for a couple of years now, and they start scaling back. And people are, are being concerned about the direction that they see at HBO. But, that, but I think if, but this is what I got into this whole conversation about, is... The CEO of HBO is saying, you have to look at the difference in the landscape now between the beginning of when all these streaming services came about 
and the consumer market for what exists. Now, uh, all these big players in the streaming service game have solidified their existence and their reason to be there. You sort of know what each one of these is, so you don't really need to experiment and find out what is on any of these services. You also have to look at the, the financial state of the entertainment industry right now. Um, it's, it's weird because, okay, so there's always been this sort of unknown truth that when the world goes through bad times, uh, sort of like from a news perspective, um, it's always been really good for the entertainment industry in certain ways. Not now, that um, doesn't necessarily mean that like blockbuster movies are going to be making the billions and billions of dollars uh, that they're used to, but people are excited, as, as excited as they have ever been about like stand-up comedy <clears throat> becomes very popular during war, during economic crisis, during political problems because people want escapism uh, from, from their lives, right? I think things feel like they're kind of bad, but it ultimately they're sort of not right now, right? So you have everybody saying the world is in the worst condition it's ever been, and they're looking towards why, why is there not better uh, entertainment content going out, and yet sometime, in, in some weird way, they're actually doing just fine because they're <clears throat> um, spoiled to having things not be as bad. Uh, actually, I'm saying, I'm saying that like this, so it's a weird and delicate thing to talk about, right? Um, people are more worried about uh, the state of how things have been, maybe, ever, but when you actually look at, like, how are those things doing, um, it is not as concerning, necessarily. Like, work is available for, for people. Um, you know, as, as uh, much as we want to say, we're looking at, at war and violence in the, in the world, um, but it's... It's not really affecting American audiences as much as I think they want to complain about. We all want to be the underdogs and stuff, uh, but like, is um, like people? Here's the thing: when you go back to work, people don't have time to watch as much TV. Uh, so now you have these things where, um, like, yeah. Uh, People want to acknowledge that this stuff is going on and it's great, but they don't have time to consume as much as they used to. They, they don't have as much uh, money um, that is available to spend in that way because, um, like, uh, people ha are getting back out in the world and doing things. Uh, the, you know, the world might have might have gone through some really hard times over the last couple of years, but, yeah, I'm, and I'm not saying, I don't even know if it's like, if it's about, it's coming out of it or not, but people are getting themselves back 
to work. And that's sort of like the important part. Not, not, I'm not even talking about like literally back to work, but I mean getting out and doing things. Uh, entertainment content is not playing the same role that it did in the daily lives of people. I, there, there was, you know, quarantine, and during the shutdown, people were stuck inside for years doing nothing but absorbing content. And now, um, and I don't know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, whether they should feel that way, but I don't think they are feeling as, uh, they're not stuck inside, right? Like, or were you stuck inside? I don't know, because I never really felt super stuck inside, but like, I just, I don't know, um, it's a weird thing because I don't, I don't want to uh, sort of talk down about any of these things. Um, I know different people had different experiences and some of the stuff was really hard and terrible for a lot of people. <clears throat> but do you understand what I'm saying? That, and maybe I'm, I'm just trying to talk myself up that things are better. And I feel like they are, but do you, do you understand, like, that the, the world is different than it was even two years ago, one and a half years ago? What part of these streaming of, of especially, like, HBO uh, played a different role because a different thing was needed at the time? And so now... Um, you know, like, it, it's not needed to, to be this, uh, this thing that's, like, saving us. It's there for entertainment, and it either, it either provides the entertainment or, or not. But it's optional. That's the difference what I mean, is that it's, like, it's optional. We felt like these things were the most important things that we needed um, because we didn't have any other options, which is totally fine. So HBO starts pulling off some of the stuff that it was <clears throat> that was on its service, and you know, um, but I don't I don't think that that means anything bad for the service. Because it's really just an indication that they're changing their business model to be more sustainable as, they, as we go into sort of a new phase of how these companies have to compete and find a sustainable model. There is going to be more uh, lower budget content but that, it makes sense if you think about it. It's not like this catastrophic warning for whether this service needs to exist. It'll still be there. I mean, HBO Max is doing just fine. Um, part of the things that were going on with, uh, you know, you got to remember, movies were not getting their theatrical releases. So um, they were being... 
put on the service immediately. You have the, like one of the weirdest examples was what Christopher Nolan's um, Tenet was, was sort of an exception. That was a thing that was sort of supposed to be released like it should have been on Max if they had followed the model that every other um, streaming service was doing sort of with live movies live current releases and he wanted his film Tenet to go straight to theaters because he thought it was going to be the movie to save the live movie uh, like what live movie I don't I don't know how to say it but um, like the industry the theater movie going experience and I think it's debatable whether that happened or not I don't, I don't think anybody thinks that it did uh, that film confused a lot of people, um, but that's totally fine, too, right? Those, uh, everything's kind of fine. It's all kind of fine. But the place that these things are going to play in life is really different, because, one, we don't need, um, these, these services to be what they were, when there was a quarantine going on. I realize I didn't even address the topic that I was really trying to make a point about. Um, right? Uh, because we were talking about how HBO is not really in, in trouble. Um, okay, but they were saying they're moving to a model that's supposed to be more sustainable for long-term. It's going the Amazon route. Okay, so, so maybe here's the best example. Amazon is not putting out uh, weekly brand new multi-billion dollar, million dollar uh, movies and TV shows. They put them out when they need to. Um, Apple, the same, I believe. Uh, it's really Netflix and Hulu that are sort of going back and forth trying to be like, original, original. Hulu doesn't even need to, though, because it is part of the, the Disney family, right? So it's funny. I think, I think Netflix is actually going to burn themselves out. Netflix is um, trying to, to create something that they don't really need to be. And Netflix is sort of fighting with everybody else because it was the new kid at the table. Um... Don't worry about HBO Max. Worry about Netflix. They're the ones that were hemorrhaging money and not making it back. They're the ones that, that missed their last quarter uh, subscriber goals. And part of that is because like you, you're going to. There's a finite amount of people that are available to subscribe. You're going to lose subscribers and you're going to regain subscribers and I really enjoy these these services but I think the uh the executives that um you know handle all the business side of these things they seem to be out of touch with thinking like that there's just a limitless amount of consumers that are available to become customers there's a finite number it's like all the pyramid schemes, right? It's, about, it's like all the cults and the MLMs. Um, 
the the reason all these things get off to a good start is because you can always go to your first your your circle of people and references and then there's like one level out where they have their people and references but at some point there is a finite number of potential consumers you can't like like think about this right if everybody subscribes to Netflix um then who do they have to advertise to, right? At that point, it just becomes about retaining their customers they already have, which uh, would be good for them from a business side because it is, uh, I forget how many times, it's like three or seven times cheaper to retain a customer you already have than to court a brand new customer. That's fine, but then even then, what, what is your end game there? Uh, you're making the subscription service. Uh, you can't, that's the thing. You can't make more, there's, there's an upper limit to how much money any of these services can, can make. I'm, actually, I'm going to say it to Netflix, can make on, on their own in the world. Um, the streaming wars is the thing that sort of justifies price raises, the, the creating things. So in, in some ways, it's this competition that, that is the thing that is keeping them alive as well as the thing that might kill them off. Um, anyway, I, I, you know, that's enough about something because I didn't even want to talk about that. But it looks like we already did. So anyway, um, I'm going to go because this was a good full episode. But uh, next week, um, we'll hopefully have a conversation um hopefully there's going to be a big business conversation that happens in the next couple days and i would love for there to be big and exciting news to tell you guys next week will that be a thing that happens or not i don't know um but there's the potential for it anyway uh thanks thanks for tuning in this week Uh, tuning in this week tune in uh next week and every other week as long as we decide to keep doing this uh too as far as i for all the latest on on silver linings playbook and the movie and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Until next time, uh, I thank you. I've been your host, Jamie Ward. Until next time, we will see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast.